Hi, and welcome back to From Tits to Toes. I am Dr. Michaela Rush, an OBGYN. And I am Dr. Ann Sharkey, a podiatrist. And welcome back. Welcome to the show. Yes. (laughs) So, um, how has it been going? You've gone back to work now with your uh, knee surgery. I did. Mm -hmm. did. Is it a nightmare? It wasn't a nightmare, but I definitely had a moment of like, and I've bitten off more than I can chew. Yeah. Um, You know, like the work part is fine, but there's the mobility is so much more difficult than I imagined. Like I can't really bend it, my leg. And so I'm on the rolling stool and then I'll be like, oh, I need something over there. And I can't even like scoot very well. So sometimes I feel like I'm about to fall off the rolling stool. I mean, it's kind of a mess. The patients all laugh at me. Like the first patient I saw, I crutch into the room and she looks at me and she's like, well, I was going to complain about my feet problems, but I don't think I should complain anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you're so sweet. Um, no, so, but, you know, I have great patience and it was a good week. I'm glad I have off tomorrow and I'm ready for several days of just laying. The swelling was what was the worst. I think that was just a little bit much to be up and around every day, yeah. but I made it. I made the first week. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. And then uh, most importantly, have you tried the new Girl Scout cookies, the Adventurefuls? No. So I have ordered Girl Scout cookies from two Girl mm-hmm. Scouts and they have not yeah. arrived yet. I'm <gasps> waiting. Like every day I'm stalking my mailbox. I'm like, where yeah. are my Girl Scout cookies? We have so, neighbors that sell them. So they just okay. walk them right down as soon as I text oh, them nice. and I'll Venmo and they'll just walk them down. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So tell me, how are they? I've heard good things. They're good. Yeah. No, I think they're good. It's They're supposed to be a mix of like a brownie-influenced yeah. cookie and then like a caramel-like. So I was a top. little bit deceived because I thought that the brownie part was going to be soft, and I've been told yeah. it's not. It's not. It's 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 a – it is brownie-inspired. Okay. So I'm it's a cookie. I'm mad at the Girl Scouts because they took away the s'mores. Yeah. Oh, they did take away – that's true. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Yeah. They still I'm have bitter. the lemon I'm ones. I'm bitter about that. Hmm. Yeah, I'm still eating the lemon ones, these new adventure foals, and then there's the, always the standby thin mints thin and mint. Samoas, or not, they don't call them Samoas. Well, they yeah, caramel? it depends. Regionally, Caramel Delights, Samoas. Caramel Delights, depends. yes. Um, I think we ordered like 20 boxes of cookies because <laughs> I we just know Girl Scouts. So I was like, no. well, I hear they freeze well. We'll put them in the freezer. We're going to be eating Girl Scout cookies for the rest of the year. Well, I just keep ordering more as I eat them, and yeah. then I just told – my You're neighbor. Supporting the girls. Yes, I'm supporting the. Uh, I'm supporting my my belly, but uh, <laughs> I told them. I said, just text me and give me notice before they you stop selling them, so then I can buy my last round. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I need my emergency stash. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna keep eating what I have, and then you just tell me when is my last chance to buy them, mm-hmm. and I will just buy my last round at that point. And I love it. Go from there. Yeah. So, okay. Whatever. But I mean, but if you had to pick an all-time favorite, what is it? I'd say the Samoas or the Caramel Delights are my okay. favorites. Yeah, they're softer tough, it's a, too. It's a tough toss-up for me between a Thin Mint or a Caramel Delight, but mm. yeah. Lately, I've been eating more of the Thin Mints, and my son Reeston will um, eat them all in the middle of the night. And so, if I open up that. <laughs> That um, the sleeve, sleeve, yeah, the sleeve. If I open up that sleeve, um, it's 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 done. Like I will open it in the evening to have one after dinner, and by the morning that sleeve will be gone, or that whole box. That's will be amazing. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, it's pretty bad. So I have to start hiding them places. Yeah, I remember um, last year you had the in the pantry, the hiding place, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> I would hide them behind the cans of beans yeah. because I know my kids aren't going to look behind the beans. Yeah. So yeah. you've got to hide them in places they won't look. And then I was joking about hiding it under their toothbrush or behind their shampoo. Sure. In places that they would never look. The toilet um, paper rolls, as the Instagram rolls. post you posted that one yeah. time. <laughs> but, um, but no, I do. I will hide them behind the beans because they'll never look That's behind awesome. the cans of beans. I definitely, yes. I definitely hide things sometimes if I'm like trying to hoard them. <laughs> Recently, so H-E-B has these honey roasted or coated pecans. Mm, yes. They're so good. Okay. Tell me more. Mm-hmm. Right? And they come in this little bag. Is it in and, that like, bulk aisle, the healthy bulk aisle that I never go down? No. Well, you can find them there in some, but these just come in like a prepackaged Ziploc. Oh, okay. And, but I think they're H-E-B brand, pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Anyways, like honey, crusted, roasted pecans. Yeah. They have this like outer shell. Yeah, they're delicious. And I started getting them around Christmas time to put on a charcuterie board. And then mm. I like discovered how delicious they are. So now I order them. But if I leave them on my counter, mm-hmm. Tom will eat them all. And yes. so I start like burying them in funny baskets in the pantry. Also where I know oh. people won't look mm-hmm. so that only I know where they are. I've also discovered, so we have a bag of pecans, like uh, halved pecans yeah. in a Ziploc bag in the freezer. Okay. And I've been just eating them straight out of that bag frozen. And they're actually Quite amazing frozen. Oh, okay. I'll have to try um, I don't know pecan. why it's a different texture. Yeah. But oh, it's such a good snack. But they're just plain old pecans. They're not candied yeah. pecans, nothing special, but they're frozen pecans. And I'm kind of addicted to the frozen pecans right now. And I don't know why, but I feel like it's a healthy kind of snack. And so I'm ish, you know, it's got not, some healthy fat. Sad about it. Mm-hmm. Do you ever freeze your thin mints? Or they never make it that far? Hey, <laughs> true that. Um, <laughs> true story. Um, yes. No, I do try to freeze them. Sometimes I forget about them in the freezer, but yes, they freeze really well. Um, yeah. I, they're the one cookie that does uh, freeze really well. I don't know mm-hmm. that the other ones would freeze well. No, they freeze pretty good, but um, no, man, those frozen pecans. Uh, okay. Something different. Yeah. I just discovered that in the past month and I ate the whole bag of pecans. So I'm on my way to get another bag tomorrow, I think. So there you go. Stocking up. Well, there are worse things in the world than frozen mm-hmm. nuts. So. Yeah. And then have you played Wordle yet? No, no, I don't. I don't. Do you? You should, you should, well, now I'm kind of sucked into it and hooked, but, um, (laughs) but well, true Wordle, you only get to play like once a day, but you can download an app called Puzzword and that's basically Wordle as many times as you want to play it. Okay. Um, so you kind of get addicted to it and you just play it as many times as you want. Um, But you get better and better. Yeah. I, I have the app Wordscapes, which is Mm. kind of like, not crosswords, but anyways, um, I've been playing that in my recovery a lot. And actually, last weekend, I got totally sucked into a tournament. Oh, no. <laughs> that was awful because I spent hours. I probably played like 2,000 word mm-hmm. words or something, but I took first place in that tournament. Oh, look at you. I know, right? This is the highlight of my surgery recovery weekend. I was like, oh, I played first place in a words game on on my phone. Oh, no. Well, you probably get sucked into this one, too, if if you're into those. Yeah, so I think it's probably best I don't bring on any other things. As I'm getting better from surgery, I don't need my time to be absorbed by things like that. 
Yeah. And did I tell you about Cullen's Wordle experience? You did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell. I'll tell the um, okay. Listeners. Yeah, tell the listeners. Um, so we were at a restaurant, and my husband was showing my son the games to get him to practice it because they like to play Hangman and guess all these yeah. words. And so it's just good practice. So he introduced my eight-year-old into the game of Wordle. And it was the week or the day that the word was proxy, P-R-O-X-Y. So does everyone in the world who's playing this have the same word every day? Mm -hmm, I believe so, yeah. I think it's just same word that day. That that was the word of that day. Okay. Um, And the word was proxy. And they had it down to the P and the Y. They knew the first letter was P and the last letter was Y. So my son looked at it, and then he entered in a U, and then an S, and then an S, and then he showed it to my husband and asked if he got it right, and no, no, you did not, son, no. <laughs> and he got grounded for 24 hours from all of his iPads and anything oh electronic. But, but did, um, did he know what it was? Well, I think so, because when he, when my husband said he was grounded, he was like, well, but I didn't say the word. Okay. So he knew that I think it was bad because okay. he didn't say the word, okay. but he wrote it, but it's just okay. as bad if you write it yeah, down. Because sometimes at that age, it's hard because you're like, are you just like phonetically spelling something? Yeah. Or do you, do, so it's like, do you know the context or do you not? And that's the parenting yeah. trick is because you'll, you know, they'll say something and you're like, mm-hmm. tread carefully. How you much know? do I explain? Right. And so I think as soon as he said he was grounded, he was like, oh, but I didn't say the word. Like, so I think he knew yeah. it was bad, but okay. we were, I didn't. And then I was thinking, well, maybe he thought it was like a cat or whatever, but no, the way he reacted, he knew it was bad. He was just like, Daddy got away with it by just spelling it out, but you know. Yeah, the whole like reading, mm-hmm. learning to read, and learning <laughs> to sound things out things is true. So I had told you the story, which we hadn't told the listeners, and um, that my mom was with Meredith during the time when we were in Miami, and they were at I think Target, and they were in the parking lot, and someone had you know one of those stickers or decals on their car, mm-hmm. and it said Vagina Terrian. And Meredith said, All one oh, word. Oh, they're a vegetarian. <laughs> she said, uh-huh. Yes, they are. They are a vegetarian. <laughs> vegetarian. That's what that is. Mm-hmm, yes. Mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Vaginatarian. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to say that. could go a lot of ways, but maybe they were an OBGYN. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe, maybe I'm a vaginatarian because you're, I'm you're a vaginatarian. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I'm going to ha- we're going to have to coin that. We're going to have to put that up somewhere. Yeah. So anyway, so those are the funny, you know, things your kids said. We'll remember that forever and Yep. <laughs> well, this week the episode was prompted by a question you received from a patient. Yes. And uh, they requested us to do an episode on chemo toes. Yep. True fact, I had a Google chemo toes. It's not an official diagnosis, but it's actually commonly used in the cancer space for a lot of changes that occur. So we're going to play the question from our listener, and then we'll get started on the episode. All right, let's get started. Hi, tits to toes. My question is, is there a way to fix toe, toenails that have been damaged by chemo? All right, everyone. So today 
We are going to do a podcast on <laughs> chemo toes. And this was a request Dr. Rush actually received in her office, right? Yeah. Yes. At which I, I'm dying to know about this topic because I didn't even know this was a thing. I didn't know anything. I've never even heard it before. So when she asked me to make a podcast about it, I had to send it to you and uh, see what it was all about. So I can't wait to hear it. Yeah. And it was interesting because I've never seen it documented um, officially like chemo toes. However, there are a lot of different things that can cause changes in the toes. So throughout my career, I've seen viruses in young kids cause spontaneous loss of nails. And so it wasn't unusual to me that we could say if you're experiencing either some kind of health issue or taking medications that your nails would respond. But uh, to be honest, I had to Google it as well because it's not like it's in a textbook that's official, you know, chemo toes. It's not a diagnosis. So there's not an actual diagnosis code for this. Correct. No, yeah, no, there's no ICD-10 code that says chemo toes. <laughs> However, there is a lot of information out there about the changes. And so primarily when we talk today, my sources are going to be from Up to Date and the American Cancer Society. So we'll we'll kind of talk about what what's referred to as chemo toes. All right. So right. The term chemo toes is a very basic and general kind of umbrella term, and it's going to be used to talk about any skin or nail changes that are occurring, and it can be to the nails themselves, to the skin of the fingers and the toes, as well as neuropathy or sensation changes that are occurring. I'm not going to focus a ton on the neuropathy part because I feel like that deserves an episode in and of itself, so we'll focus more on the nail changes today. Okay. Before we kind of talk about abnormalities of the nails, I think it's important to spend just a quick minute talking about what a normal nail is, right? So if you look fingernail, toenail, you have a nail plate, which is the hard surface. Underneath Mm -hmm. the vat is the nail bed. What we would probably typically refer to as cuticle is called the proximal nail fold or the part closest to the edge of the nail, not at the tip of the toe, yeah. but at the base of the nail, right? Okay. And then yeah, the you have- part. Why, why can't it just be called a cuticle? <clears throat> you know, we have to have a fancy name for everything. So cuticle, <laughs> proximal nail fold, there you go. Proximal nail fold, got it. And then we have and then we have the edge. So when you look at a nail, the, the nail near the cuticle is, I guess you would say the youngest nail or the most recent. And the part that we're yeah. trimming off is the oldest nail. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, because it grows out and you can trim it off. Got it. Yes. So our nail plate receives blood and nutrition from the body through its attachment to the nail bed. The the part that we're trimming off or the oldest part of the nail, it doesn't actually have any living cells, which is why it doesn't hurt to cut your nails. Yeah. So why does it have to have a blood supply to the hard nail part if if there's no living cells to it? Why does it have well, to have no a blood supply? There's no living cells at the end that we trim off, but where it's attached to, you know, the the where the nail, where the cuticle is behind that, deep underneath of that skin, is what's called the nail matrix, and that's where the living cells are. So you need blood flow in order for your nail to grow. If there's no blood flow, then your nail wouldn't grow. Okay. The the nail changes that we see as a result of cancer itself or treatment can occur to both fingernails and toenails. Interestingly enough, I actually read on there. So they say a fingernail is going to grow at a rate of 0.1 millimeters per day. Approximately six months. If you were to lose a fingernail, it's going to take you about six months to grow back an entire fingernail. 
A toenail can be anywhere between six months to a year, depending on how fast your nails grow. Does it matter which toe? Because if it was like my pinky toe, I feel like that would be honestly the pinky toe sometimes is the slowest, so it doesn't really really matter. (laughs) Size, size, so size doesn't matter. No, not necessarily. (laughs) Just kidding. Excuse me. I have like coughing today. Okay. All right. So let's say cancer infection, medications, whatever, right? You can see these variations in the nail for a variety of reasons. So, but what are, what are we talking about? Like what can happen? So there's actually quite a few things. You can see either nails get really thick and hard, or sometimes they become really thin and they break easily. You Mm. can see development of a really painful nail bed. So anything like shoes, socks, pressure becomes really painful. Dryness or cracking in the skin around the nail bed, and that can occur just due to dry circumstances in the winter. I mean, I think we've talked about this before with our skin cracking, right? (laughs) You can develop ridges, markings, pits, spots, splitting, any different kind of um, change in texture to the top of the nails. You can see separation of the nail plate from the nail bed, or the nail may completely fall off. And then you can- Quick question. Is this only during the chemotherapy that you have this development on the toes or the fingernails um, we'll talk like while it's growing? Oh, okay. okay. Got it. Yeah, yeah. So we'll kind of come to that. And then the last thing you'll see is slower nail growth than usual or temporary lack of growth. And I'm going to take a second to talk about this because a lot of times in my office, I'll get this question. I've had parents bring in kids and say, I haven't had to trim their nails in months. And they're concerned, right? Because you think I should be trimming their nails often. And we don't always know why. For some Hmm. reason, sometimes we can see the nails go through faster and slower periods of growth. So maybe- Normally or- Yeah, sometimes there's nothing wrong, and it just is that that person's nails don't grow very quickly. In other cases, it could be, you know, if you're looking at an adult, maybe there's an autoimmune disorder or they had some sort of virus. Sometimes we can find a reason why. Generally, if it's something like a virus, we're actually going to see the nail just completely fall off or something really weird happen. But nails that just don't grow quickly, I don't always have an answer for, and that can be really frustrating because... A lot of times in my practice, it's in the context of the patient has a nail fungus or they have something that they don't like about the appearance of the nail and we're working to make it better, but the nail's not growing. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. there's actually nothing I can do to make the nail grow faster. Yeah. Well, I wonder if it has anything to do with being in a healthier state. Because I know that can kind of happen with hair follicles too, like where where it kind of freezes and doesn't grow nutritional status and vitamins mm-hmm. and there's probably a lot to dive into there but or, yeah. or just if something else is going on your body is trying to heal a different area it may kind of take that energy away from nail growth yeah a hypothesis no no yeah. distinct study on that so when we talk about nail changes as a result of cancer treatment most often this is due to medications that patients are taking but radiation has had some effect on nail changes although most often it's the chemotherapy mm-hmm. the changes are going to vary in terms of when they present themselves and then for how long they remain present and this is kind of what you were asking about so typically the changes are going to correspond to when chemotherapy is happening and every chemotherapy protocol is different right sometimes you're on a medication for 2 weeks and then off of it 
for a certain number of weeks and then back on. And so you might see these cyclic changes. In general, these are all transient. And after your chemotherapy is done, you're going to see it resolve, but it also has to go through the life cycle of the nail. Yeah. Um, so if we were to dive a little bit deeper into like, well, what are what are we looking for? I will tell you this is pretty broad and I didn't I'm not going to talk about every specific chemotherapy medication but on the websites that the American Cancer Society you can really dive into like here's this specific class of medications like the taxols and here's most commonly what we see happen but we're just going to kind of okay. keep it on the broad spectrum here probably so, easier <laughs> Yeah. Well, first of all, I don't know that I can pronounce all those medications the way they're supposed to be <laughs> pronounced. Right. And we'll just kind of keep it basic. So things yeah. to look for. This one is going to be, we're going to talk about it in cancer and we'll probably talk about this in another episode, but I'm going to say, you know what, even if you don't, aren't in treatment for cancer, you want to look for this anyway. So dark areas near the cuticle. These are called subungal, meaning under the nail lesions. And it's going to look like a nail, a bruise under the nail, and it's usually near the cuticle. So we can see this as a result of chemotherapy treatment, but we can also see this in isolated cases of melanomas or subungal melanomas. Uh That can be a specific cancer that arises in the nail plate. Do you know if you see one of those lesions, Mm -hmm. is there a way to test it to know the difference? There is. I always ask the patient, right? Because you come in and and we'll see someone and they're like, you, know, you notice this discoloration. So it tends to be more common in individuals with pigmented skin. And it sometimes looks like a linear line. So there's different categories. Sometimes you'll see the discoloration just on the nail. But if the discoloration extends onto the cuticle, that's another red flag that we're looking at. The other thing I'm asking when there's discoloration under a nail plate is, have you dropped anything on your toe recently? Have you had any trauma? Did you wear tight shoes? Because we can see bleeding or bruising underneath the nail plate that also looks like discoloration. And depending on when this happened, it might look like a bruise, purplish, bluish, or it might just look black. And so sometimes there's a lot of discerning that has to happen to say, well, is this is this a bruise from trauma or is this actually a pigmented lesion that we're looking at? And if the patient has noticed it before, you know, so it comes like, have you had this before? How long has it been here? Is it changing? A bruise or something from trauma is going to grow out as your nail plate grows out. So if you Mm -hmm. have this period of time and you say, well, this hasn't changed, then yes, we actually can test it. What's involved is you, it's a little bit aggressive in that you need to get a sample of the skin underneath of the nail plate. So sometimes we can do that without removing the whole nail plate and just take a sample from back where the lesion is. Other times we have to take the whole nail plate off and then take a sample of skin, but we send that off to the lab to look for, look for melanoma. The unfortunate consequence of that is sometimes you can cause damage to the nail root and then the nail plate will grow funky afterwards, Mm. but at the cost of, you want to identify if you have melanoma. Yeah. You can't just like drill through the top and like sample. Yeah. It's actually really easy. There's circular punches just like you Mm -hmm. would do for like a mole at the dermatologist and you can put that directly through the nail plate and take the punch of... They don't necessarily need Ew. the nail, but we just want to go through the nail to get the skin underneath. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's one thing I really encourage patients, especially those who wear nail polish almost year round, is you have to be very careful to watch when you go to the pedicure salon. You want to just take a look at your feet and make sure you're not seeing any odd discoloration or things happening that might cause alarm because you want to have that. You want to have that looked at. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. 
Um, the next thing we'll talk about is fissures. And fissures can range from small and thin cracks to deep cuts or tears. These are most commonly going to occur in the skin surrounding the nail or the nail itself. Hemorrhages, these are an indication of bleeding under the nail plate. We touched on that a little bit. They can be large if you like drop a soup can or a hammer or something on your toe. That's going to be a big thing. Or it can be really tiny little streaks of red lines. Um, The tiny red line streaks that's most associated with medications from chemotherapy in the larger areas are going to be more common from trauma. Mm, Okay. Pigmentation of a nail plate. Nails are normally clear. You can see through them, but sometimes medications are going to cause uh, darkening in diffusely across the nail plate. Sometimes it's patchy, but we can see this hyperpigmentation. That's typically temporary. Hmm. You can see inflammation, which is redness and swelling, and that will be usually around the base of the nail, sometimes along the edges of the nail. If it's infected, this would be similar to an infected ingrown toenail. This is pretty painful and requires treatment, sometimes soaking and antibiotics, other times removal of the nail plate to have that happen. Lifting of the nail plate. So this is called onycholysis. I see this a lot, not necessarily as a result of chemotherapy. It can happen because of that. This is actually really frustrating. So it it's pulling away of the nail plate from the nail bed underneath. When Mm -hmm. we see this in in light of chemotherapy and different treatments, typically after your treatment's over, this is going to resolve on its own. But I do have patients where the nail plate will separate from the nail bed due to fungus or other things. It's actually really tricky to get your nail to reattach to the nail bed. Mm. That one is, um, that was an interesting one. With chemo, if it, if it detaches and then comes off altogether and then you stop chemo, does it grow back like normal? Yeah, typically. Okay. Um, and then on the con- on the more aggressive side of just the lifting is complete nail loss. So this is one I have seen is patients will just lose entire nails and it doesn't have to be all of them, but it can be some of them. And that's a result of the, just the insult to the body, the trauma of going through the treatment, really severe cases of infection. Often it'll be like hand, foot, mouth disease and kids uh, will spontaneously nails will fall off. They, oh, they always grow back, but we can see this when your body kind of goes through a pretty serious illness. Hmm. There can be ridges or lines in the nail plate. These do not have pain associated with them. These are interesting. So typically they're horizontal and they're called Bose lines. And these lines actually can be used to mark or indicate the time in which almost doses of medication were given. So what you'll see is because the nail grows at 0.1 millimeter a day, you might know like six months down the road, you'll see these different lines across the nail. And you could look and say, okay, well, here's an interval where chemo was given and then it was stopped. And then here's an interval where chemo was given. So I think that's really fascinating that we can see these changes in nails that are, that are related to that. Right. That's weird. Yeah. Like a little timeline. Exactly. They, they had some good resources on these websites about how do you manage this? And for the nail changes that are like ridging and cracking and thickness or brittleness, a lot of times we're going to recommend taking a biotin supplement just to support the health of the nail and using a nail lacquer that can just be put on to protect the nail or help strengthen the nail. And these are pretty simple things that you can use just to be an adjunct to kind of minimize some of those changes. If we're looking at something that's painful cracks in the skin around the nails. That's going to be utilized with some pretty heavy ointments or creams that are going to put on. If you're ending up with the inflammation, like we talked about, sometimes we're using antibiotics or topical steroid creams or removing the nail plate kind of depends on what's exactly going on there. Hmm. Okay. If it's lifting, can it be 
glued on or I guess if it got glued on would it not continue to grow yeah, out so it gets really tricky it depends if it's lifted but still pretty securely attached we don't really have to do a whole lot we just kind of keep it clean underneath of there if it's something where the nail is like peeling or tearing often we'll recommend to trim off those loosened portions because I would say if you put a sock on and it gets stuck right oh. and it pulls off or it gets stuck in a bed sheet something most often it's just easier to trim <laughs> off those loosened portions so that you don't have a, a secondary trauma that occurs because of it you're shaking your head it, it would be just oh. as painful as you would imagine. Oh my god! Well, I don't know why I squirm when you talk about toes and toenails and like the <laughs> coming off and like I could, I could handle vagina world all day, but all these <laughs> the toes and the toenails. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I yeah. people do all kinds of funny things like super gluing these nails down and. Honestly, there's no benefit to that. It just yeah. take the part that's loosened off and, and it won't cause any problems. Um, I feel like it's more of a risk to have it there, whether it's risk of traumatizing the nail, ripping it off, or having something get stuck underneath of it and causing a bacterial infection. But we're always happy to see you and take a look at it and see what we think <laughs> is best. In general, yeah. all the, you know, home, what would I say, home improvement methods even super glue or whatever. Just don't yeah. do that. Don't do that. And Ugh. if it takes a while for you to get into the doctor, something that's super easy, I was like, put a Band-Aid over the top of it. And that way it's held down. It's not going to get caught on anything. Yeah. And it just keeps it keeps it safe until you can get into the <laughs> doctor's <laughs> office. Just see a professional, people. See a professional. Absolutely. Don't Absolutely. do it yourself. Ugh. So, you know, we talk about what, how do you, how do you manage this? If you're someone who is just about to embark on chemotherapy or cancer treatment. And you probably can't prevent some of these things, but you can minimize the effects of them. So you want to just check every day. You want to monitor for changes. Make sure you're just watching to be aware of what they look like normally, what changes are happening. You can use the nail lacquer like we talked about. You want to notify your care team if changes are noticed. And sometimes that just gives them an, an insight into what's happening as a result of the medications. Sometimes if it were, you know, a new spot of cancer developing, like the subungal melanoma. And so we want to really keep an eye on any of those changes. Keeping your nails clean. Generally, I would recommend staying away from the nail salon just because of the risk of infection. If you're already on a chemotherapy regimen, your immune system is a little bit weakened. Mm -hmm. You don't want to go somewhere where you could... In add another source of infection. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. You want to protect your hands and feet. Uh, they actually recommended wearing gloves for washing dishes. And I think it just keeps the, the water from creating more damage to the nails. So if you have to do those mm. things, wear some gloves. Avoid barefoot walking. Wearing loose fitted shoes or slippers and soft cushion socks. And this is really just to prevent a lot of pressure. If you wear tight compression socks or if you wear tight shoes that really press on the nail, that can cause some of this discoloration, thickening trauma to the nail plates as well. Yeah. Here's something that I found absolutely fascinating. And oh, I think in the back of my mind, I had known this, but I didn't really understand why it was for it. But so at the time of administration of these chemotherapy medications that are known to cause problems. They will actually do 15 minutes of application of ice packs to the hands and the feet, and it constricts those blood vessels. So the medication is less effective or like it just causes less. How would I say that? I think it's just so the medication isn't as targeted to those areas, right? So that it doesn't yeah. affect the growth cells at the nails that much. So they'll do this ice therapy to try hmm. to minimize some of these effects. Oh, that's interesting. I've heard of the ice, like the caps, like for the hair. Okay. Like you wear the, the cold caps really for the hair. Yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. to me, that sounds like 
awful because I don't like being cold. <laughs> it's terrible. But yeah, so you can do this. You can do this cold therapy to to. Do you do the cold therapy like the whole time you're in chemo, like for the looked, entire infusion? You know, there's a few different things out there, but I'm pretty sure it said 15 minutes before and 15 minutes after. I'm gonna look right now again. And not during. It's just right before and right after. Um. So apparently, it's especially this taxane drug class. It says apply cold packs to the nails 15 minutes before the infusion, during the infusion, and for 15 minutes after. So uh, there we go. Okay. Now everybody knows if you're in chemo and you want to do that, yep. there you go. Yeah. So, and I think that your oncologists are probably massive resources for this. They know these medications. They know mm-hmm. the common side effects. They can really answer this in a lot of detail. And then podiatrists and other people are here to help you treat things that could arise as, as a result of it. Um, yeah. Jenga. Oh, I was like, what was that noise? <laughs> They're playing Jenga. <laughs> she lost Jenga. Okay. Got it. <laughs> That was an interesting one. Yeah, moment. so that that is um, chemotose in a nutshell. That was awesome. Yeah, that's really interesting. I never even knew that was a thing, so that was interesting. I think I learned – I'm glad I read through this, and it, it just gives me more points of reference for questions to ask because there's always the potential that someone comes in, maybe they're post-chemo or in the midst of it, and they aren't aware that this could yeah. be a side effect. And when it's not on my radar, I mean – I can see the problem and we can still treat it. The treatment really doesn't change versus, you know, what the the origin of it is, but it gives me just a better list of questions to ask yeah. and to be more aware of. So I think it was a great learning experience for me. Too. Yeah. Well, and it would be good for patients too, to understand why they have it and right. knowing that they have it and then it would be reversed or it'd go it go back is, to normal later too. Absolutely. So comforting to know, okay, when this is over, this will likely go away. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it's at least, it's good to know where things are coming from. Not just like a random thing. Like now I have this issue too. Cause Correct. You know, they're probably frustrated. Like they're in chemo and they have some sort of cancer and they're battling that. And now they have issues with their toes or whatnot. Right. And chemotherapy, I think brings along its own subset of things that happen afterwards yeah. to your body, which are unpleasant and, and not wanted, mm-hmm. but as a result of saving your life. And so hopefully yes. it gives some comfort to say, okay, well, these things happen, but for most part, they're transient. So. Yeah. All right. Thanks. That was a good episode. That's it for today. Thanks again for tuning in. We have been loving all the feedback and the questions that we are receiving, so just keep them coming. Don't forget, if you want to leave a voice message, just go to the link at the bottom of the description in the episode. You may even hear your question or comment here on the show. And remember to subscribe so you'll be the first to know every time we release a new episode. We are so grateful for all of the downloads, rates, and reviews. These help to drive our podcast up in the rankings and makes it easier for others to find us. Do you have an interesting idea or a question that you want answered here on the podcast? Send us an email at tits2toespodcast at gmail.com or message us on Instagram at from tits 2 toes And remember, keep your tits up and your toes down.